Good morning, everybody. Welcome. You guys made it. Time Change Sunday. So by the end of my message, you guys are going to be hungry. Because instead of 11 o'clock, it's going to feel like 12 o'clock. So we gained an hour, and so I've, I've joked that just gives me one hour longer to speak today. Some of you are laughing. Others of you are like, he's not lying. Um, but no, really, I, I'm so glad to be here with all of you. And we're continuing a message series called The Generous Life. And we're talking about God's plan for us with our resources, our time, our money, who we are made to be, and how God wants us to live this, this generous life that extends into the lives of others, and that really makes a difference in our life, but also that, that changes uh, the world. And so we're talking more than just money. We're talking more than just stuff and materialism. But at the same time, we have to talk about that because that's often where generosity comes. It's with the things that, that we've been given. And just want to do like a brief, you know, question this morning. How many of you don't remember the last time you've had cash on you? Like you do not carry cash. Any of you guys? Okay. Coins, you know, it's just you swipe everything. You ever go to the grocery store and it comes to like 67 cents and you have to swipe it and you don't like make eye contact with the cashier because you feel bad. Anybody? That's, that's me. I don't, I don't really carry cash much anymore. I, um, can pay with different things. You know, you can pay with your phone, you can pay with your watch, you can pay with your plastic card that just money just comes from nowhere, right? It's just it's amazing. You can just swipe and, and pay. But if you actually look at, at money, like here I have a, a quarter, and every every coin that we have in the United States has a, a motto on it. Anybody know what it is? In God we trust. Now, if you're like me and you don't carry much change on you or, or cash, you may not know that, but that, that's what it says. In, in God, we trust. And this was added uh, to all coins in 1864. All U.S. currency now has it. In 1864, it was added from a pastor that wrote to the government saying, in, in light of the Civil War and everything that's broken in our country, let's unite together. And for the reason the means that we can do that is let, let's put it all on the coins for which we spend. So every time we spend, we'll look at this modern member, okay, in our broken country and what we're dealing with, it's in God that we, we trust. So that was done to all coins in 1864. In 1957, during the Cold War, the same phrase was on a dollar bill. Dollar bill. And on the back of that, right above the word one, and all, all bills, it says, in God we trust. Very interesting. Most of the time, I don't think about that. I don't even look at the money. I just hand it over for the things that I want to purchase, and I'm sure you're the same way. But here's my question to you today. Based on your experience with your resources and with your money and your attitude towards it, what's your motto? If somebody were to look at your life and your spending, what you do with it, what would be the motto that you would write on your coins or on your bills. Wow, you guys were, I, I, you just, I like that. Somebody said in food we trust, you know, just, we just need, just, we like to spend on the food, fast food. In Starbucks we trust. Uh-oh, now, now it's getting personal, right? There's a lot of things that, that we, we do with our money, but I, th- I think the motto for all of us, the one that comes the most natural is actually not what's on our currency, the most part, in God we trust is not what we think. It looks like this. Anybody read that? 
In self we trust. This isn't like a counterfeit. That's just like photoshopped. Some of you are wondering like, the secret service is not going to come in trying to find us. But in self we trust. I think that becomes the motto for many of us because we have our resources, we have our money, and we work hard for it for the most part. And we want to be in control. We want to do what we want with it. So most of the time, what comes natural is not in God we trust. Most of the time, he's not the factor. It's usually in ourself. What we want to do, our own ideas, because it's ours. But when you decide to follow Christ, that actually becomes the motto for your life. It's not in self. It's not in independence. It's actually in God. In God, we trust. In God, I trust him with with my life. And so you, when you decide to become a Christian and you decide to do life his way, your, your path changes. Your perspective changes. The center of your life changes. It literally moves from in self to in God through Jesus. And it's in him that I trust. And when you decide to follow him, it's not just an idea. It actually means your life changes because your path changes, your direction changes. And if your direction changes, the destination where you end up changes. And this is at the center of all of our resources, what we do with our time, what we do with our money. Everything that we've been given shifts. Now, what does God want me to do? And so that's the angle that I'm coming from today. But no, this tendency of in-self, us being the center, that's normal. And that's okay if you feel like that. I feel like that. Daily, it's a battle to decide in whom am I going to trust today. But when you decide to follow Jesus, your, your perspective changes two major ways related to money, related to resources. You, you shift from this getting, 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 obtaining, obtaining, just getting as much as I can to, to giving. That's actually a huge shift. That's not natural. Most of us, getting is what we want to do. Makes us feel better. We're in control, which leads to the other perspective. So you shift from this getting to giving, and then you also shift when you decide to follow Jesus from this, this idea of trusting instead of control. I will trust God in this area. I will not control it. The picture I have controlling is that tight grip that you have on an area and you don't want anyone to have access to it. It could be your future. It could be your resources. It could be a relationship. It could be your agenda. It could be your plan. But there's a sense in which I'm in control. I've got that firm grip. To become a Christian means like I lessen that grip. I loosen that handle. And I allow Jesus to have access to that. Now he decides. He can call the shots. That's what it means for you to become a Christian. And so this is at the center of all this perspective. So if you're hearing some things today and you're like, that is not me. I haven't even decided to follow Jesus. I hope this gives you like a picture of this is the life that he calls you to. And I hope it's a life that you see in yourself, that you see that this is a path that I could go on. Now, if you are a follower of Christ, this should define you and what you give yourself to. But if you find you're like, oh, I don't do that, and it, like, don't beat yourself up. So much time we spend time spinning our wheels on how we're not doing it. But just ask God, God, what is it that you want me to learn today? In today's message, is, we're talking about being entrusted. We are people that God entrusts with resources. So as entrusted people, what does he want us to do? And so I want to recap very briefly. Uh, last week, we talked about God being the first and the most generous giver takes the pressure off of us. God is the first, and he's the most generous giver. Generosity was not our idea. Because again, we focus on getting more than giving. God is the opposite. 
He focuses on giving more than getting. And so this is his idea. Generosity and giving and extending your resources, this flows from him. That's what we looked at last week. If you've missed that, you can always listen online at ridgeview.com. You can click on the messages and catch up. But I want to extend that thought. So this idea of God's generosity, but, but now I want to extend it further. So God, this is the first point if you're following along in your, in your handout. God is the most generous owner. So not only is he generous, but he is the generous owner. And I want to start with this psalm that just declares reality, who God is and his, his role. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. So if you have your handout and you're taking notes today, you should have a pen too. I want you to underline a few things. Underline the word everything, okay? What's everything? Everything. Whose is everything? God's. The psalm just, this is plain. It's, it's not trivial. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Then underline the world. And then underline all who live. So everything, the world, and all who live in it. So God's coming from this vantage point that separates him from you and from me. He is the owner. In this passage, he's described as the creator, the founder, and the one who establishes. So he has this vantage point as creator and ruler and leader and owner that none of us have. And through his word, he speaks with his authority. So we want to pay attention to what the Bible says because it's giving us instruction from this ruler. It's giving us instruction from this creator who wants to guide us into the future. But this is helpful perspective. Just to start there, God, he is the generous owner, and he's the owner of all. Now here's, I heard, I think this was a pastor who had said this, but I can't remember who it is, but it's hard to believe that God is the owner because our name is on the bank account. Wouldn't that freak you out if you got your statement from your bank and all of a sudden it was like, God? But according to that passage, it actually, that, that's him. He, he is the owner. Now you may say, well, I, I work hard for my money. That's true. But he's the creator. So how do you work hard? Well, you have energy. How do you have energy? You have life. How do you have life? I see where you're going here. It's all from his hand. Now, it's okay that you make money, and it's okay that you use who you are to, to build. That's, that's what we're supposed to do as humans. That's part of the mandate that God's given us. But it's very easy because our name is on everything to move from in self we trust for that to be the focal point. So I want to spend the rest of the time today looking at some lessons from the parable of the talents in the New Testament. This was in the Old Testament. I want to go to the New Testament, some teaching that, that Jesus gave. And this is found in Matthew 25. And you have all of the passage there in your handout. I type this out every week. I don't type it out. I copy and paste it every week um, so that you can look at this uh, later. But one of the things you want to do for yourself is, is if you can get into the, the Word of God yourself and begin to read it, that's where you really learn and that's where you really grow. And in this parable, Jesus is teaching to people. And when he spoke in parables, it's kind of a, a key to ourselves that we need to pay attention to something that he wants us to, to learn. 
Oftentimes, Jesus taught and he spoke plainly and, and just directly with people. Don't do that. Do this instead. And it was very clear. Other times, though, he spoke in parables, which were stories. And these stories were about characters that seemed like he just made up on the spot. He does that so you have to kind of wrestle with what he's saying. He does that also so you maybe don't feel defensive. But anytime somebody speaks to you directly, do you ever find that like, oh, leave me alone. You don't know what's going on in my life. Like, you ever feel like that? Especially like when a pastor comes up and says stuff, right? We're like the guilty ones. So Jesus, knowing this, he's an authority. People listen to him. He's like, how can I teach people in a way that they're willing to listen without, without being defensive? And so he used parables a lot to do that. For us today, the same is true. We need to listen to what Jesus is saying and ask questions. Lean in to his teaching. Ask him to show us some things that maybe we haven't seen before. Ask us to show us some things that we ignore but would be really good for us to pay attention to. And so this is the context of why Jesus used parables. Uh, In this chapter, he's specifically talking about the kingdom of God, what the kingdom of God is like. People wanted to know more about this kingdom, God's kingdom, his ways. How do you get in line with it? And Jesus taught so much about the kingdom. And in chapter 25, the focus is on faithful. Faithfulness is a key characteristic of the kingdom of God, those who are faithful. And Jesus wants them to understand this kingdom more, but he specifically talks about what it happens when somebody is given something. And the lesson for us is about the kingdom, big umbrella, but also our resources that fits under that. How do we operate in God's kingdom with what he's given us? Everything that flows from his hand as owner to us, what does that mean that we do with the time that we've been given? What does it mean we do with the money that we've been given, with the resources, with the skills, with the talents, with how God uniquely made me? What does that mean I do with my life? So Jesus is kind of speaking to that context so people are listening. And Jesus also knew that people tend to listen when you talk about money, right? Especially if it's like, here, you can make a ton of it. Everyone's like. So he started with this parable to get their attention. And I want to draw out the points, break it up, and then talk about it a little bit. So here's the beginning part of the story. God is the owner, and he has entrusted us. So I'm taking a little bit of the thinking away from you. You don't have to wrestle with something. I'm kind of outlined it already. This is the beginning. God, he's the owner, and he has entrusted us. Here's how the story starts in verse 14. It says this, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. The it here again is talking about God's kingdom, his ways, what he values the path to eternal life following Jesus. So this kingdom is like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. So in in this story, we are the servants and he is the master or he's the owner. Another way of saying that is he's the owner and we're the manager. He's given us things to manage, resources, time, money, things that I've already mentioned. And he's entrusted here in this passage, he entrusted them with property. He's entrusted us with Again, who we are, the things that that he's given. And verse 15 goes on, we've been entrusted different amounts. And then the scripture says this, says, to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. So according to this verse, if you had to pick which one you were, which person do you want to be? Five, two, or one? 
Five. Some of you were scared to say that. Do we know their names? We don't know their names. We just know it's the five-talent person, the two-talent person, the one-talent person. They were each given different amounts. Now, a talent is not talking about like a talent, like this guy could tap dance. He get five, you know, it's, it's actually like money. We don't know the exact amount, but it was considerable. It wasn't like one got a dollar, one got 50 cents, one got a penny. It was more than that. We don't know the exact amount, but it was a considerable amount of money. But this is how life is. We have different resources. We have different bank statements. We have different experiences. We have different jobs. We have different abilities. We have different expenses. We're not all the same. But as God is the owner, we have different amounts. The reason I bring this up, and I think the reason Jesus is talking about a story where not everyone is the same, is because he knows we struggle, and we struggle with comparison. Right? Have you ever gotten to the point where you wish, why did that person get that promotion and I didn't? Why does this person have that house on that neighborhood and I don't? Why does this person get to go on vacation and I don't? And social media has just ramped that up. Have you ever gone on social media and you just have to just turn it off because you are just, their life is amazing and mine's terrible and I don't even want to like it. You know, social media just ramps it up, the comparison trap. Jesus knows that. He's just saying, guess what? We don't know why people have different things, but they do. Some of it's because they maybe work harder than others, but some of it's just God's chosen some to have some and some to have others, and we don't know the amounts. We're all different. But notice the last four words. Then he went away. So to one he gave, again, comes from God's hand. He's generous. He's giving He's giving, and then he went away. Jesus is also teaching us a lesson about who God is. God does not actually micromanage us. Have you ever made a decision you just wish God would say, don't do that? Actually, that kind of sounded like a bear. I don't, I don't know what God's voice sounds like audibly, but you ever wish like you're about to go spend something, it's like, that's a bad decision, That would freak us out, right? So we don't audibly hear. He doesn't control us. He's given us this amazing thing of life and in life, free will. And in free will, we make all these choices. He goes away. But going away doesn't mean he's absent. It just means that he's not controlling us. So God has given you and he's given me this free will and we have choices. But he's not absent. He's, he's watching. And what is he paying attention to? Those very things are choices. He's given us, he's entrusted us, and then he steps back and he watches. Every single one of us at the same time. He's ruler, he's creator, he's almighty God. We can't do that, but he can. But he watches us all at the same time seeing what we do with what we've been given. And then this is the next part. Verse 16 through 18. Daily, we make choices with what we've been given. Here's the thing. Like, so if I pull this quarter out, does this quarter have feet on it? No. Sometimes. But our money doesn't have feet. The dollar bill here, 
By the way, I literally got cash out this morning right before this sermon. Like I said, I don't carry cash. I went to the bank for a special trip. I was like, what is this? You know, this is cash. Dollar bill doesn't have any feet on it. But sometimes we approach money like it does, like it has feet and it just runs away. Or it's got kidnapped. Where did it go? Our money doesn't have feet. We are the ones who send it. Every money that we have is sent somebody or sent somewhere from us. But sometimes when you look at your bank account, do you ever open it up and you try to balance your checkbook? You're looking at a thing, you're like, something happened here, and it went into a black hole. And it's like the sock in the dryer. Where did it go? That's how it is with our money. You ever felt like this? Like at the end of the month, you're trying to kind of reconcile everything. You're like, I don't know how this is possible, but I had money and now I don't. And I don't know where it went. We have choices that that we make. And Jesus describes this in verse 16. Notice the choices. He who received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. I want to show you a video that kind of describes the pull of these choices. Now, before I do that, there's an article I read that's connected to this video. Uh, SWNS Digital have done some research on the choices we make with our money and spending. And they, through interviews and through tracking groups of people, kind of came up with this number, that Americans overspend $1,489 a month on non-essential items. That's about $18,000 a year on things that we didn't think we were going to spend on, but we just did. Now, some of you, that, that sounds crazy, but for others, like, you're like, yep. Yeah. I didn't know I was going to eat out there, but it was good. I know I was going to get that Amazon perk. How many of you guys overspend on Amazon? Can I just decide, you know, we need like a, like a little confessional like group for Amazon there's just something special about it. Like, you feel like it doesn't count. And Amazon's hoping that that's the case. Like, it's not real money. Amazon fairies, just bring me that package. And that's a beautiful thing. You open your door in the Amazon package there, and you try, it's 10 stops away, and you're tracking. Oh, it's coming. And then it's there, and oh, man, I love Amazon. But most of the time on Amazon, I just see something. I'm like, yeah, that'd be cool. I, I could use that. It's like Costco. Don't get me so That's another group. You go in to get a hot dog at the food court, you come out with $300 worth of stuff. You guys know what I'm saying, right? That's how this number is true. Because our feet doesn't run off, but we sure send it. And the choices come from our heart. But let's watch this video. This is sponsored by Life Insurance. See if you can tell.
So you can kind of get the sense. What, what they're trying to push is get, get the insurance. Of course, that's, that's where they're trying to, to point us. But that stat at the end was very interesting. 78% said they like to feel secure. That seems kind of low to me. Isn't it like 100% of us would like to be financially secure, I think? But you see in the beginning there, just, you know, subscription boxes. Those are like a really cool thing. It's just, you know, it's easy. You just, restaurants, subscription, you know, whatever that we, we, we see. And again, the choices that we make flow from our heart. It guides us. Our heart guides us. And our heart contains a lot of desires. It also contains a lot of emotion. And we can spend so easily from things without even thinking, just based on what our heart tells us. A few things in, in my own life. Um, desires, something that you want really bad. You just, you just want it, and you don't think, should I have it? Or when is the right time to have it? You just do it. It's really easy to do that now. You don't even have to leave your house. But desires, that goes on in our heart. Fear, we make a lot of decisions out of fear, thinking we may not have enough. When you're fearful, you tend to clench that grip more. That leads to more control. Fear leads to control. Uh, FOMO, you guys know what FOMO means? Fear of missing out. You ever gotten, you know, you wanted to do something because everyone else is doing it. You don't want to be the person, I, I, I really, that's not, I, just don't, I can't afford that this month. We don't want to say that because our heart is, yes, you can. At the end of the month, just, it will work itself out. Okay. And then at the end of the month, you're like, there's that black hole again. We feel buried, we feel overwhelmed. To kind of track our finances and to actually manage it well, it feels like there's just another thing I can't do. It's just, it's there, and I don't want to worry about it. So, God's entrusted us. We have different amounts. And then we make choices. This leads to the next point that Jesus teaches. So with those choices, God, he actually holds us accountable for what we've been entrusted with. So this is where now our choices and God watching come together. Since God stands back and watches, and we have choices, he actually holds us accountable for these. Now I'm going to read a few of the, these, these verses here to kind of flesh out the story. So follow along with me. It says, now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So just some time. Here's what you've been entrusted. What did you do with it? This is like life. God's given us life, and he's watching. And then at the end of our life, he comes and gives, we have to give an account to him. It's the same with this, this parable. Verse 20, and he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. So I multiplied what you've given, given me. The next verse. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter in the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. The story continues. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So again, he's describing the kingdom of God, and the characteristic of the kingdom of God is faithfulness. 1 Corinthians 4.2 actually says, he who has been entrusted must prove faithful. 
So that's that, that characteristic. We've been given things, and we need to be faithful with what we've been given. We have to manage it well. We may live in self we trust, but we're going to have to face God and explain that. And to face God and explain that we didn't trust in him, we trust in ourselves, I don't want anyone to be in that position. So the first two people in this story, these characters, we had somebody who traded, somebody who made, and then the the third character comes up. Now, right here, you just see this space, but notice this is a dramatic part in the story. Because if you're the person with the one talent, you're listening to the five-talent person, the two-talent person, how are you feeling right now? You knew you buried it, and nothing happened. So imagine the lump in this person's throat. He's probably feeling sick, and he's about to approach this master, and this is what he says. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. It goes on. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. I want to stop it right there. So notice the first two characters, it was like, Master, you've given me this. I've handled it well, and I've multiplied it back to you. The third person, what did he start with? Excuses, right? Why? Well, I knew this was you, and, and, and this was the situation. And then he describes that heart. Look at the beginning. So I was what? I was afraid. Very interesting. So I was afraid. What was he afraid of? Could be all sorts of things. Could be afraid of loss. Could be afraid of the work he would have to do. Could be afraid of the unknown. Could be afraid of doing something that he didn't know how to do. But whatever he did, he buried it in the ground. So it's very interesting. In fear, he didn't act. He just didn't think about it. So that picture of burying is society. It's out of sight out of mind, I don't even want to think about it. Isn't that so much of a pull in our own lives? We want to make progress towards this generous life of giving to others. There's a part that's like, I will do that later. I'll think about that later, and we, we just bury it in the heart of our own life. We just don't want to even see it. We don't even want to talk about it. And not only that, but he, it's, it's dirty. Think about that. Like, he buried it in the ground. Now he's returning it. It's actually worse than where he got it from. Here, Master, not only did I not multiply it, but you might want to clean that. Sorry, I buried it. But here you go. Like, I'm done. You you take it from me. See, it's a very different approach. And then it goes on further. Then you are, oh, did I finish that? Hold on. Go back to that previous. I don't think I, yeah. Sorry. So we're right here. Here, you have what yours. I'm done with it. And then, but his master answered him. You wicked and slothful servant. Slothful is, is lazy. You're, just, you're, you're lazy. You knew what I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. And then go on to verse 27. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So he's saying even if you did nothing, if you just put it in this different place with a bank, you doing nothing, it still would have gained more than just burying it. And so Jesus is, is, is making a point here. We're all going to face God with our life. 
with what we've been given. And God's going to ask us, what did you do with your life? And again, to some, he'll say, well done, you good and faithful servant. You've taken care of what I've given you. And to others, he'll say, you're, you're wicked. You were lazy. All you thought about was in self, you trust. And I'm here to tell you, those lines sometimes can become so blurred. It's so easy to just go your own way and to bury it and not think about what God wants me to do, especially with our resources. It's easier if we're the only one that we think about and the only thing that we worry about is just our own plans. It's easier. But easy is not the quality of life that can actually make an impact. It can be easy, but it can't change you and it can't change others. Uh, An author, Randy Alcorn, he wrote this book, Money, Possessions, and Eternity. He said this, one day everyone must answer these three questions. Where did it all go? Talking about what you've been given, resources. Where did it all go? What did I spend it on? And then what has been accomplished for eternity through my use of all this wealth? This is how I say it. Where did it all go? If you go to that next slide there, where did it all go? Number two, what did I spend it on? Number three, where did I use my money for what really matters? But the story's not done, and I'm going to go through this very quickly. Jesus closes with this thought. Faithful stewards can be entrusted with more. That's what happened. Verse 28, so take the talent from him and give it to him who has the 10 talents. For to everyone who has... Who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And so there's two pictures here. The one who's faithful and generous will have an abundance. The one who's not, even what they have will be, will be taken. It's this picture of you may try to get your hands around your things. You may try to control your things and your stuff, and it will just be like sand that falls through. And so you may have a tight grip, but when you open it, there's nothing there. It's wasted. And so what, what Jesus is saying is, is you, you have to live for something more than controlling your things, controlling your stuff, controlling your future. And so I want to close with these next steps, just in light of Jesus' teaching here. Again, he wants us to, okay, I'm, I'm somebody entrusted. What does that mean for me? I'm somebody who's been given from the creator, from the ruler. What does that mean for me? I'm not self-made. I didn't give myself life. There's something that I have to ponder. And so as one entrusted, here's just some things I, I want to encourage you in. Here's the first one. I know where my money is coming and going. Honestly, this can be hard in itself. Because each month we just spend and we spend, and then hopefully we deposit some, and then we spend and we spend, and we hope at the end it all works out. That would be easy. But as one entrusted, we actually need to know where our money is coming and going because it doesn't have feet, but we're sending it. And so practically, if you don't have a budget, I encourage you to do that. A budget is just a way, practically, of you knowing where your money is coming and going. If you've never made a budget, there's a couple resources here. Crown.org, you may want to write that down, crown.org, that's the website. And they have tools like how to make a budget. And you can go on there and it just asks questions and allows you to think through some things. You can make a budget. You don't have to buy financial software. You can make a budget on an Excel spreadsheet. If you don't know what an Excel spreadsheet is, you could use it on a piece of paper. You could start there. Uh, Another resource is uh, DaveRamsey.com. You may have heard him on the radio. 
He has a lot of wisdom when it comes to to money and resources. If you go to DaveRamsey.com forward slash tools, you can just click on one of these. I I need help with with budgeting, and it'll walk you through some things. So there's tools out there. Crown.org and Dave Ramsey, those, those people have some good perspective. And it's also linked to Christian kind of worldview. What does this mean in light of this generous God? So you want to create a budget. Then you want to send your money to the right places. So once you've created your budget, part of that choice is I, want, I, I need to send it. It doesn't have feet. I'm sending it, so I need to send it to the right places. Wise thinking is, is this kind of pie of your, your money, okay? You want to live off of 70. You want to give 10. You want to save 10. And you want to pay down debt or invest 10. So nobody knows your, your percentages except you. And if you don't know it, then nobody knows it. Okay, so here, here's, this feels so, I've got 10 ones, and this feels like I'm rich just because there's like 10 singles in my hand right now. First one up here, no, just kidding. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it, if I just gave it away? Um, so breaking this down, it'd be like, okay, I got to live. We have to pay rent. There's bills. So out of $10, how much would that be? Seven, right? So one, two, three, four, five. Six, seven. How much do I have left? Three. Then what am I giving one dollar to? Giving. I'm giving. If you're part of Ridgeview, that one of that you you give to the church. There's so now I have two left. What am I giving the other one to? Savings. Why? Because your brakes will break down. Your house will leak. There's going to be expenses that you have that you don't know. You need savings. So if you don't have savings, how do you pay for it? And then what's the last one for? Debt. How many of you have, you don't have to answer that. Most of us have debt. So you technically probably don't want to invest until you pay off debt. But you can pay off debt. But you have to send it. You have to send it. You can be generous, but you have to send it. For me, you know where the struggle is most of the time? If I'm living off of 85, I can't do this. If my debt is really, really high, I can't do this. So for you, your percentages may not match this. That's okay. Start where you are. And one of the the easiest choices you can make is how can I begin to live off of less? Live off of less means you have to say no. And we don't like to say no. But as we say no, we can say yes to the right things. Right? With every yes, there's a no to something else. And so to say yes to the generous life means I might have to live off of less. I might have to make different choices. But as you do that, God will will take care of you, and that leads to the second thing that I encourage you to do. Let me get all this money over here, Um, which is this. I check in regularly with God. So he's the owner. Just like any owner, he wants you to check in with him. So when was the last time you asked this question? God, does my, does my spending please you? Does how I handle my money, does it please you? Are you happy with what I do? Are you happy with my attitude? Are you happy with my approach? You, just, you ask that question. Am I on track? And you ask that question. You check in regularly. You just, you just ask him. It could be just a simple prayer. God, I, I'm off track. 
I don't know what I'm doing, but but will you will you help me? I, I want to get on the right track. I want to align this with with how you you've said it to be. And God is very gracious. If you look at this stuff and you're like, "What on earth? I just this I'm not there." That's okay. Start where you are. God will help you where you are. But it begins with that. I can look to Him and I can trust Him. So I check in regularly, God. And the last thing is, I ask God to help me live a life of generosity. Again, the idea of here is how do we take what we've been given, allow it to flow through our hands, and for others to be able to experience it? That's the generous life. How can I give away my time? How can I give away my money? How can I give away my skills, my talents, the way God's made me to bless other people? That's the life that God's called us to. And that, it's not about rules. It's not about percentages. It's actually about this willingness to surrender to allow God to use you. If you want God to use you in your world with who you relate to and what you do, he will. But you have to ask him to help you do that. You can't do it by yourself. On the handout, there's a a circle. I don't know if it's up here on the, the PowerPoint, but there's a question, where is it going? And this is related to the first next step. So I'm gonna invite the band up. We're going to wrap up the service, and on your, your handout at the bottom, every week there's next steps that you can take, and these next steps are just ways that you can apply, and I've already given you some things like the budgeting and asking questions, uh, but here's, here's some other things. That, the first one is fill in where it's going pie chart. Uh, that circle, um, just where's your percentages, and is there some things that you need to start looking at differently? Again, you don't know if you don't know, so begin... To, to look. That's the first one. The second is pray and ask God for help. Uh, for me, when I do this, it's to plan, to track, to be generous, to not give up, to not be discouraged. Just ask, ask him for help. That's the second next step. And then the third, uh, we're going to have a seminar uh, coming up called uh, Getting Traction with Your Money. And there's a slide there for it. I encourage you, if you just need some more help in this area, it's very difficult on a Sunday in a sermon to help you with specifics. We're going to have two men that's going to lead a seminar on December 7th. I think it's the 7th, is it? Yep, December 7th. And it's just called Getting Traction with Your Money. At Ridgeview, we want to help people. One of the ways you help people is you help them with their money, right? Because that's, that's kind of entwined with a lot of our life. And so if you just need some more guidance, you have some questions, you'd like to take some steps forward, I encourage you to sign up. So you just write finance seminar on your connection card, and we'll get you signed up for that. Again, God is watching, but at the same time he's watching, he wants to help. And so if you feel stuck, begin with that, just God, will you help me where I, where I am? So let's pray that back to God as we sing and we're going to receive our offering. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the fact that you are the owner and because you're the owner, you take great care and you are the one that, that is in control. And because you're in control, we don't have to control, and we can trust you. And God, I know that for, for me, that, that's hard. I, I like to be in control. I like to kind of have everything just in, in line, but, but you've called to this life to, to truly trust you and to do things your way. And so I pray for anyone here who's just trying to kind of get their, their bearings of how you want to intersect with their life, and if they feel stuck, God, will you just give them courage and your power this morning? We ask that the things that we need to change, that you'll, you'll give us your power to change. We don't need to come up with it ourselves.
And so, God, we turn to you. We ask you for help. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.